Well, welcome to another Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. And this is going to be an Everyone Wednesday like we have never had before here on the Bottom Line Show in the history of the program. We have not one, not two, but three different resources to give away. And they're all books. And they're all substantial. And they're all very beneficial. Uh, Dr. O.S. Hawkins is here. You know, he's the guy who wrote the Prayer Code and the Joshua Code and the Apostles Code. The code books are so popular with people helping him to kind of break down, find certain passages of Scripture that you can pray on, you can you can focus on and enhance your uh, your belief in God in. This new book, The Connection Code, is relationship advice from Philemon. And if you're familiar with the story, there's a little epistle that Paul wrote to a businessman uh, in New Testament times called Philemon. He was a very wealthy guy. He had a, a, a slave by the name of Onesimus who wound up uh, transitioning from slave to bondservant. And the bondservant is in Jesus' day, of course, that's the, the role of the person who had been in indentured service to someone and owed the money and was working off the, the debt, basically surrendering all their rights. And then once they paid off their debt, they had the option of being released as a free man or staying with the person to whom they had been in service to and becoming a bond servant. And Onesimus did that second route. He went to, you've read about it in the Old Testament, they take your left ear, put it up on the doorpost and then pound an awl, you know, one of those round tip with a sharp point at the end, poke it through your earlobe and that little knot there in your ear signified that you had been a slave you were now set free and you had chosen to live as a bondservant in the home where you'd been a slave. In the same way, like Paul writes in his epistles, he'll say, Paul, a bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of us are bondservants in that regard. We, for all intents and purposes, we don't have the right to be free unless the guy who, to whom we owe the debt says, you are now free because your debt has been paid in full. So we could relate to the story of Onesimus and Philemon because what happens next is once he's become a bondservant, Onesimus winds up stealing some things from uh, Philemon and running away. And it's while he's on the run that he uh, encounters Paul and winds up giving his life to the Lord. So now he's like, okay, I'm a Christian. I'm living by a new set of rules. I need to get back to Philemon and I need to apologize and try to make things right with him. And Paul writes to Philemon and says, dude, you know, here's the deal. Um, Onesimus, uh, this guy, you know, he's with me now. So which means that he's with us now. And so if you want to build a life-giving relationship, even though you understand that some people have hurt you and treated you badly and poorly and whatever, um, this is the way to do it. So uh, we've got a link for the book, The Connection Code, up at thebottomlineshow.com. And since it's Everyone Wednesday, we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book that we're giving away. The second resource that we're giving away today is a very powerful story, uh, a book called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down. Becca McNeil is going to join me for the last half hour of the program. And basically, this is a woman who had was involved in ministry, uh, had been dialed into the church for quite some time, and then all of a sudden, the ministry just imploded. And so all of a sudden, uh, she decided, okay, I've got to figure this out. I mean, she had basically... Um, you know, had kind of grown up like a lot of people did. I went to church. I knew how to sing all the right songs and say all the right things and hang out with the right people. But instead, once something happened to her and her ministry imploded, she began to, you know, question the fact that it seemed like a lot of people in the church had basically been taught there's a right and wrong 
and you know when you know certain things are sacred and other things aren't and there's no you know type of thing uh, she left ministry started to work in journalism then she became a parent and all of a sudden when you become a parent your priorities change and someone asked her just matter of factly so are you going to have that child baptized well, here she is. I mean, she had her first child in the mid-2010s. She had her second child right after Donald Trump was elected. And she said, all of a sudden, people were, you know, they kind of questioning their values. You know, can you be a Christian and pursue social justice? Can you have a, the security of your faith, but also still have a certain open-mindedness as to whether or not, you know, you're just going to accept everything without, um, you know, th the, the stigma that comes along with it. She's written a book about her experience. Um, she is, uh, uh, leans a little more center left, uh, but we had a good conversation about this, I think. Bringing up kids when church lets you down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Becca, now as a journalist, is a wife and a mother, has two kids, as I mentioned. Uh, she has stuff that's been uh, posted in the, Christian Science Monitor, in Texas Public Radio. She's also been in more leftist publications like Christianity Today and Sojourners. But the idea is, you know, writing about education, writing about faith communities and things like, you know, where does immigration show up? You know, what, what about, uh, uh, you know, uh, white supremacy and patriarchy in the white evangelical church? And, you know, it's, it's a very interesting look because the idea that she grew up in this kind of uh, what we would call the evangelical industrial uh, complex and then it let her down because it was built kind of on a house of sand. Um, this is a very, very interesting resource. I found it to be fascinating and I think you're going to enjoy the conversation too. You'll appreciate it. Um, we've got a copy of the book, Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one but two copies of that book that we're giving away today as well. And then on top of that, <laughs> to make this day even better, Dr. Michael Youssef has a new book out. And Michael Youssef's ministry, every time we've spoken for the past four or five years, he says, Roger, this is the most important book I've ever written. <laughs> Always says that because as, as he's getting, you know, God is using him more in his 70s than he ever has before with the pandemic and then with the upheaval in the Middle East. And of course, Michael having an Egyptian background, having lived in Australia and most of his time in the United States, but he still has a big following in the Arabic world. Um, he's written a new book called How to Read the Bible as if Your Life Depends on It. When you think about what the Bible has meant to people, um, we lived to, you know, uh, those of us, I'm 62, and I, I remember an America where we believed in God and country. You know, we believed that God was the one who provided uh, all the good things that happened in the U.S. And we, did, we didn't discount the fact that there were some people of the... Uh, uh, of the other side of it, the other side of the equation, who could look at this and say, yeah, but I mean, some people have done some horrible things in the name of God and the Bible, and I, I think we can, we can argue that that is in fact a true statement. But now you live in anti-Christian America where more people believe that God is not the center of morality and standards, that God is not the source of biblical truth or, or, or actual truth, and that they do believe in absolutes, they just don't believe that they come from the Bible, you know, that type of thing. And now you've got philosophers who are trying to destroy God's word. And you've got governments that are passing laws like you know we're going to face in California at some point where the Bible will not be banned, but what will happen is the governor, the legislature will concoct some scheme 
whereby they will pass a law that says any book that does not follow the you know guidelines of supporting and upholding the LGBTQ doctrine or whatever, those people will find themselves you know in a lawsuit. Or if you try to publish a Bible that doesn't affirm homosexuality, then it, you're gonna that that Bible won't be published. And you know the reason why that legislation will in fact succeed is because there are so many uh, publishers, there are so many scholars, people who would love to call themselves Christians, who would gladly publish a Bible that basically says, well, we went back and we discovered in the original Greek text what they actually meant here was this, and the original Hebrew and the Aramaic, well, we've been misinterpreting it for all these years, and here's what it really says. Those Bibles will still get printed and distributed as the state takes a more active role in religion. And many of the same people who hate the, the church and state you know, conundrum there will be thrilled that the state is not telling the church what to do. I wonder how Americans United for the separation of church and state will respond when that day happens. In the meantime, though, Dr. Michael Youssef has put together a resource that will help you read the Bible as if your life depends on it while you can still read the Bible. If we read the Bible, if we heed the Bible, if we take hold of its mighty power, I mean, if you really want to move your lives and bring revival to the deadened spirits of the world, let the word of God dwell in you richly and let it transform you. Let God do the changing of the world because you understand the word. Dr. Youssef has been really busy. We've been texting and emailing back and forth for the better part of the past year and just have not been able to get a time when our schedules worked to be able to have him on the program. But he had his team send us copies of this new book, How to Read, your Bible, uh, read the Bible as if your life depends on it. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, but 10 copies of Dr. Michael Youssef's book, How to Read the Bible as if Your Life Depends on It, to give away today here on Everyone Wednesday. So you've got 10 copies of Michael Youssef's new book, three copies of O.S. Hawkins' book, and two copies of Becca McNeil's book. You are going to win something today when you call us on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, let's get into the story of Philemon, Onesimus, and the connection code, what the book of Philemon tells us about relationships in God's economy. It's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. 
Well, a special guest joining me once again here on the Bottom Line Show for a great conversation. If you like the code books by Dr. Oz Hawkins, well, we've got another one. The brand new one is called The Connection Code. It's relationship advice, but I'm going to hold off on telling you the rest of the uh, title until we get a chance to re-welcome Oz Hawkins to the Bottom Line Show. Oz, welcome back to the program today. Thank you, Roger. I love it. And I love the title of your of your program, The Bottom Line, because that's yeah. what we all need to get down to. Isn't Especially it? now. My goodness. I mean, since the last time we'd spoken, there was war in Ukraine, I think, or with, that it happened with Russia. But this right. whole thing with Israel right now, I mean, Pastor O.S. Hawkins, uh, I want to get your thoughts on this before we get into your new Connection Code book, because I think it's important yeah. to get your wisdom here. Right. Uh, on Israel? Yes. Yeah. So in the, the preceding... Uh, code book was called the promise code 40 bible promises every believer should know and one of those chapters was detailing all the promises god has given to israel and uh so you know it's uh it's a i've got so many friends you know i've been every year since 1974 except the covid year when they didn't let me go in mm -hmm. been 100 times i guess to israel and have so many wonderful friends there many of whom have uh sons and daughters right now down inside Gaza and up on the northern border. And uh, so it's a it's a trying time for everybody in that state right now. I know that. Yeah. You know, as we think about watching Bible prophecy come to life, if we look about these different codes that you have identified, and we'll put a link for all of the code books up at thebottomlineshow.com, this new one, The Connection Code, is one that's very, uh, it, it's practical. And yet I think a lot of people will realize that they've kind of, I mean, let's face it, the book of, do you pronounce it Philemon? Is that the pronouncer? Uh, that's the way I, yeah, that's okay. proper. Well, where two of us, two or more are gathered, then God has to bless it. So we both yeah, say Philemon. I'm doing tons of these radio interviews right now. You'd be surprised how many people call it Philemon. Philemon, right. Yeah, that was. That, Philemon is the yeah. proper uh, okay. And, and who Philemon is and why this is, I mean, it's a short chapter in the New Testament. It's a very brief epistle. And yet it's a plea from Paul on behalf of a guy who I think we can all relate to. And maybe we can even relate to the uh, the protagonist and uh, his opposite in this one, too. Let's talk about relationship advice that we get from Philemon. First of all, who is this guy? OK, that's a great way to start. And the truth of the matter is all of life is about relationships. Everything yeah. we do is about relationships. You know, we train. I'm chancellor at Southwestern Seminary right now in Fort Worth. And and we train all these students in hermeneutics and homiletics and theology and put them out in the pastorate. And it gets down to the fact you better know how to relate to people Amen. when you're in ministry. And that doesn't mean just ministry. It means it means business anywhere because in home and all of life is about relationships. So this little letter, only 25 verses, five or six short paragraphs that Paul writes from his prison cell in Rome to Philemon is a case study in how we can relate to other people. You know, Paul was going through Colossae on a missionary journey. He led Philemon, a wealthy entrepreneur, to Christ. Paul continues on his uh, missionary journeys. Meanwhile, Philemon is so captured by Christ, he begins a church in his home there in Colossae. And uh, Paul goes on, ends up being incarcerated in Rome. And he's in prison in Rome. And Philemon has a, a servant, a doulos, a bondservant by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus rips him off and runs off for the bright lights of the big city. We don't know what happened, but he got busted. He got thrown in jail. And by all coincidences, he ends up in the cell with Paul. 
And Paul leads Onesimus to faith in Christ. His Amen. first impulse, having come to Christ, is I got. I've got to go back to Philemon. I've got to go back and make restitution and true repentance uh, for what I've done. So Paul writes a, a Paul writes a letter to Philemon. Now he's going to drop the bomb in this letter, and he's going to say he's coming back. I want you to receive him like you'd receive me. And you know when Onesimus sees that, I can only imagine what he what he thinks. But it's a case study in interpersonal relationships. Very briefly, it's about life is about relationships, and there are only three we have in life. Doesn't matter who we are. An outward relationship that we connect with people outwardly at home, at the office, at church, where life is made up of relationships. Then there's an inward relationship, the relationship we have with ourselves. I get up every morning, shave. And Women get up, put on their makeup. We look at ourselves in the mirror. We have a relationship with ourselves. And Susie and I have been married a long time now. And uh, we've had not many arguments, but most of the ones we've had, something happened to me at the office or something. I got angry and I got upset and I come back and project it on her. So mm -hmm. we have a relationship with ourselves. But there's one other thought, Roger, that's an awesome thought. And it separates us from all the other creative order. And that is we have the capacity to enter into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ and know yeah. him in the intimacy of father and child in an upward relationship. So the bottom line, to coin your program, we're never properly related to each other until we're properly related to ourselves. And that never happens until we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, find our self-worth, what Paul said in Colossians, Christ in me, the hope of glory, mm -hmm. and share that love and life to others around us. So that's the bottom line of the whole well, book. Oh, and I appreciate that. O.S. Hawkins is with me today here on The Bottom Line. We're talking about his new book called The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And it's ironic, but that may be not coincidental, uh, O.S., that you are quoting Paul in Colossians when you talk about the fact that uh, Philemon actually came to faith as a result of this journey. And now you know, Paul and Onesimus find themselves sharing a cell together. And then there's that whole, okay, wait a minute, I'm a Christian, I'm living life great, and then who who among us has not been wronged by somebody? And then someone comes back and says, yeah, but you know what, they're a Christian now, and and to add you know, a little fuel to the fire, something that we have a hard time understanding too, I mean, Onesimus basically worked for Philemon, was responsible to, I, I hate to say he was his property, but I mean, we're well, talking he about was a bond a, he, he was a doulos. Okay. And a doulos was a bond servant. Okay. That, that was what, someone who came to the end of their tenure of servitude and could choose to go anywhere they wanted to go. And they looked over everything the world had to offer. And they said, you know, my master has been better to me than anybody. And they choose that one who first chooses them. Mm -hmm. And then they take their ear, the bond servant, the right. doulos, Exodus Let's talks hear. about They put it up against a, a post and they, with an awl, they make a mark in their ear. So when people saw them walking down the street and they saw that mark in the ear, you know what they said? My, what a wonderful master he must serve. He could have gone mm -hmm. anywhere, chose it. And so that's why Paul said to the, to, to the Galatians, I bear in my body the stigmata, the mark of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We ought to be living our lives so that people see us and say, my, what a wonderful master he must serve. Amen. Amen. Well, as we think about this, then what we're going to get into some lessons here. We're going to get into some great alliteration, which I always love because OS is a pastor at heart. So of course you can't not do that. But when you get right down to this, when you see this, this relationship connection, I never would have imagined that in this book, I see 
this relationship advice. I mean, when did it first? When, when did God first give you the revelation to us, Hawkins, that that this book is about more than just someone who had been wronged, and by someone who was very close to him, who by all rights should have been saying, "Look, I told the world that I was in servitude with this guy." And now I'm a doulos. I mean, I, I chose to stay after my time was done. That's how much I love this guy. And oh, by the way, I ripped him off and ran away. Yeah, great question. And a lot, many years ago, I was I was seeing a need to preach a message in my church on affirmation. How people just needed to be have a pat on the back. Yeah. And uh, I was drawn to this because Philemon, the, in the first paragraph after the salutation, Paul says Philemon. Your love has given me great hope and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Now, Roger, you and I get mail from people. Sometimes mm -hmm. they're blasting us on something. Sometimes, But if I get a letter in that first paragraph, somebody says, oh, yes, your love has given me great hope and encouragement. You, Man, I sit up. And I want to read that. You know, affirmation. This is what Jesus did. He went around affirming people. He met a woman taken in adultery and and he said, look, I don't condemn you, but you go and sin no more. He reached down, let him know he believed there. When he was baptized, the father spoke from heaven, reached down with a pat on the back. This is my beloved son and him I'm well pleased. And, you know, I had an English teacher back in high school, Roger, that changed the way I thought about myself with one simple pat on the back. And so we're, we've got listeners right now that are out there, maybe they're driving, wherever they're listening. And they're saying, you know, I haven't had anybody affirm me or give me a pat on the back in years. Mm. And so the point is, find somebody today that you can reach out to, maybe a waiter, maybe a waitress, maybe someone you meet in the normal traffic pattern of life, and give an honest and legitimate, really a firm pat on the back. And you'll be surprised, as Galatians tells us, how we begin to reap what we sow. Affirmation mm. is so vitally important. Mm, absolutely is. Uh, O.S. Hawkins is with us today here on The Bottom Line, and the brand new book is called The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and more of this conversation coming your way next as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Dr. O.S. Hawkins is my guest, and we're talking about his brand new book called The Connection Code, Relationship Expert Advice from the Book of Philemon. The book is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one, not two, but three copies of this book to give away. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you are in a challenging relationship right now, maybe the root of the disagreement that you have is a bitterness because someone has wronged somebody else in your relationship you were on the receiving end of being wronged. Or maybe you yourself wronged somebody else and you're trying to ask for forgiveness from them and they won't give it to you. I'm telling you, at the heart of what is going on here in the book of Philemon is the Apostle Paul writing to Philemon saying, look, Onesimus, your bondservant, the guy who served you to pay off his debt, who then willingly chose to stay with you after he no longer had to be a slave in your service. Yeah, he made a mistake. He did something stupid. He stole some things from you, and then he escaped. And he never should have done that. That was wrong. He will freely admit that to you when you come. But then Paul writes to Philemon and says, look, I met this guy. He is a baptized believer in Jesus Christ now. So now not only is he your bondservant, but he's also your brother. And may I remind you, Philemon, 
of the way that you have been forgiven. May I remind you of the things that God has done for you through me and through others. And the gist of the book of Philemon really is, hey, look, yes, we are acknowledging that what Onesimus did to you was wrong. As a bondservant, he shouldn't have taken off without you knowing about it. As a bondservant, he shouldn't have taken some of your things with him when he left. But I'm here to tell you now that he is a changed man. And I'm asking you to receive him back, not just as your bondservant, but as your brother in Christ. And I, the, the essence here is forgiveness. I don't think Paul is lording it over on Philemon when he's telling him these things. But I, I do think that it's important for us to understand the way the scripture portrays this whole story. Um, the Connection Code by O.S. Hawkins is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Three copies to give away here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And don't forget, in addition to O.S. Hawkins' book, we also have the brand new book by Dr. Michael Youssef from Leading the Way called How to Read the Bible as if Your Life Depends on It. We have not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, six, seven, eight, or nine copies, but we have 10 copies of How to Read the Bible as If Your Life Depends on It that we're giving away today. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. This book by Dr. Michael Youssef will literally show you how in studying God's word, in saturating your heart and mind in it, how it will transform your life, not because you become super special, but because the word of God becomes alive in you. And your job and my job as believers is not to say, okay, look at all the smartness that I picked up, but rather look at what the word of God and the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit are doing in and through me. And that can happen in your life as well. Something You'll feel something come off of you and come out of you and be replaced by God's Holy Spirit. May it be so for everyone who hears this conversation today. We'll take a quick break, and when we come back, more of my discussion with O.S. Hawkins coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Stephanie Kovar understands that personal injury help is a uniquely Christian concept. Christians sometimes balk at using a personal injury attorney after an accident, but Paul said that our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. When you've been injured, it's important that the responsible party makes your temple well again. And the idea of restitution for lost wages and medical care comes from Exodus 21 and 22, where God outlines the concept of consequences and restitution. That biblical concept says that a person liable for injuring another must replace what is lost as a matter of justice. Sometimes being made whole means being compensated, and Stephanie Cover will fight for your wholeness because it is the Christian thing to do. And she is refreshingly honest. So if she feels like she's not the right attorney or that there is no case, she'll be upfront with you about it. If you've been in an accident, find out at no cost if Stephanie can help you by going to kbrightradio.com slash C-O-V-E-R. O.S. Hawkins is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, Dr. Hawkins is a graduate of TCU in Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, a former pastor of the historic First Baptist Church in Dallas, and president emeritus of Guidestone Financial Resources. Um, he is the author of the Code series. We're talking about the Promise Code, Prayer Code, the Bible Code, the Jesus Code, the Joshua Code, and now the brand new book, which is called The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon, which we have up at thebottomlineshow.com. The code books have sold like crazy. We're talking seven figures and climbing. But one of the things I love about our, it seems like an annual visit with O.S. Hawkins, is 
this is not a project where you're profiting off of this. The, the, the proceeds of the sales of these books goes to a very special project. Oh, let's talk about that, if you would. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, Roger. The first one, the Joshua Code, 52 Scripture Verses Every Believer Should Know. It started, I just started by writing that one book because the whole secret of the Code series, I'm not trying to get people into the Word of God. I'm trying to get the word of God into the people. Amen. And that's, there's a huge difference. And so I, I, I saw, you know, people start reading the Bible. They start in Genesis. They never get to Leviticus. They get bogged down. <laughs> they start in Matthew in the New Testament, the first chapter. There's dozens of names they can't pronounce. So I picked 52 verses of Scripture. That if you'll know those 52 verses, one a week, memorize it a week, and there's devotional material for it you'll know the theme of the Bible. And so it sold almost a half a million copies. Wow. And so from that came the Jesus Code 52 Scripture questions every believer should answer. Jesus was always asking questions. I believe there are 52 questions in the Bible every believer ought to answer before they go to heaven. And then we had the Bible Code Finding Jesus in every book. There are 15 of them now. And all the royalties to all of them go to Mission Dignity. We're on a mission to bring dignity to some forgotten people. And that's pastors and their widows in their declining years in retirement. They, they pastored out in the highways and hedges, so faithful in forgotten places. Never made enough to live on, much less retire on. Most of them lived in a church-owned home. Had mm -hmm. to get out of it. And so 10, 15 years ago, we could give them $50 a month. That helped. Now they're almost 3000 in our program. Wow. And now the neediest get $750 a month. And Roger, one, fantastic. one of the ladies, seven-year-old pastor's widow wrote me, and she said, I get to eat at night now, and it's not just mm. those. So every time somebody oh. buys one, and they're beautiful leather-bound gift edition books, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. every time you buy one, give it as a gift or keep it for yourself, you're going to support these precious people that are out there. And as I mentioned to you earlier uh, privately, I hope if I'd have known they would have sold over 3 million copies already, I would have been <laughs> that benevolent and given all the royalties <laughs> away. And I know I would, but I know that's why God has blessed them. Exactly. Exactly. Well, certainly is. And I know as the son of a uh, church minister of music, as we called him, my dad didn't go to seminary, but he was the choir right. director at every church I grew up in. And I know what it was like for him because we didn't talk about how much he did or didn't make from the church because it was a calling. He had a day job. He was a school teacher, a school right. administrator, and he has a good pension from that. But I realized that if he had been full-time in in some of the churches that we had been in, there's right. no way, there's no way they'd be right. making it. And so, OS, thank you for uh, your generosity in sharing that. And I, I truly, I, I stand with you in the affirmation that God, with all the tremendous success you've had in ministry, uh, you know, notwithstanding, I, I'm grateful to see that in the, the, the season of life, that this Thank is being blessed so so royally yeah. and so it's wonderfully. A, it's an amazing thing, and I'm so grateful. I'm I'm so glad. Let's talk. There's a an aspect of the connection code, the the relationship advice from the book of Philemon, that has to be in place here. And Paul does, I think, a pretty good job of. He's not guilting Philemon into taking Onesimus back, but he is reminding him. You know, hey, wait a minute. If you are so on fire for your faith in Christ, you know, here's what's going to happen. There's a theme of forgiveness in this letter, this epistle that is worth right. drawing out. To, to take the what, what, yeah, excuse me. No, go ahead. Take take the no, last few moments of our time together and unpack is, that for us. That's what Paul is calling on Philemon to do to forgive, and that's yeah. so important. There, there, in every one of these paragraphs, there's an element of relationship. There's the element of that win-win principle. He was formerly useless to you, now he's useful to both of us. There's the element of commitment. If he if he owes you anything, charge it to me. When when right. Philemon read that, he said, "Man, he's," but when he asked him to forgive him, 
you know, in, in broken relationships, there are two parties. There's an offending party and an offended party. And two things must have to, must happen. There must be a truly repentant heart on the part of the offending party. They can't just be sorry for what they've done or regret what they've done. They've got to change their mind and their action about it. Truly be repentant. Onesimus was coming back with a repentant heart. But there's another thing, and that's the offended party. There must be a receptive heart on their part, ready to right. forgive and to turn the page to a new chapter. And you know, Roger, I was a pastor for decades. Most of the relationships I never saw get mended were not because the offending party wasn't truly repentant. It was because that offended party just couldn't bring themselves mm -hmm. to forgive. Forgiveness, total forgiveness, is a liberating effect. And, and there's a whole lot of the pages of this about how to totally forgive someone. But, you know, it, it closes the little book very briefly by saying, Philemon, uh, by the way, get the guest room ready. I'm going to come by and visit you as soon as I get out of prison. Well, when Philemon read that, you know what he said? Uh-oh. He's going to come back. He's going to come check up on me. He's going to hold me accountable. Accountability in relationships is a missing link and vital to all of it. And uh, it, it, if anybody wants to know anything more about Mission Dignity or all the code books, I know you've got a link there, but you can go to oshawkins.com. There are hundreds of free leadership and ministry uh, book downloads on there, and then information about how to get all the code books at oshawkins.com. All right. And we will link that up there at bottomlineshow.com as well to have that. O.S. Hawkins is with me today here on The Bottom Line. The book, The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from Philemon is up there as well. O.S., let's talk a little bit about accountability here, especially because I, I, I love that part of the, the Philemon story too, where Paul says, I'm going to come see you because there is that kind of you know, the, the checking up, I think is important. It's like, I want to get eyes on you. My wife has the, that's a phrase she'll say sometimes she'll be on the phone and she'll talk to, we have a son who lives uh, several hundred miles away. And she'll say, I just needed to get ears on him. You know, I just want to find out <laughs> what's going on, you know? Yeah, and, exactly. and, and you know, that too, in, in, in relationships to talk about, you've got three okay. different prongs of accountability. I'd love for yeah, you to well, kind of here's just the own accountability. You know, I, we, Susie and I own our own home. We're fortunate. It's and the other day great. we had to replace some eaves. Now the roof wasn't leaking, but there was some rotten wood. We call it preventive maintenance. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a car every 5,000 miles. I take it in and get a checkup. I have a body, not much of one at my age, but <laughs> for 42 years, every year I go to Ken Cooper and get an annual physical because right. what goes wrong with my house or my car or my body does so because of one word, neglect. Mm. And if that's good about houses and cars and physical things it's vital to relationships that we live and have an accountability partner who who uh who loves us and has our best interest at heart and who cares enough to be a nathan when we need it and yes. front us and hold us accountable yeah, we want we want our friends, for us guys anyway, to look at us with a smile in their in their voice and in their eyes and in their on their faces and saying, "You are the man," like you're getting it right, not exactly. "You are the man," like David's case. Where exactly? Uh, yeah, I mean, we we want that affirmation, but that accountability, that uh, avoiding neglect, it's so critical. Sixty seconds left in our conversation with Dr. O. S. Hawkins today here on the Bottom Line. The Connection Code is the book. Relationship advice from the Book of Philemon. Uh, what is the hiding in plain sight moment for you in this book that our listeners are going to look at and say, oh my gosh, I had no idea that the Bible addressed that. Well, it's just the fact that this little 25 verse letter 
that has been recorded for all posterity contains every element of interpersonal relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what life is about. So if we're dealing with the, it, with relationships at home, at the office and the social arena, wherever, uh, I, I, I've managed to get 200 pages out of 25 verses that can help <laughs> us in dealing with positive and productive relationships that are so mutually beneficial. And that's what we're looking for in relationships. Amen. I'm going to brag on you when uh, I tell everybody that Lois Hawkins was able to squeeze 25 verses into the 200 pages of text in the book, because uh, um, oftentimes, <laughs> let's face it, I mean, we, that's one of those things where unless you have it bookmarked, if you're flipping through your actual scripture, you, you'll you just run right through it. And uh, but this exactly. is it's too important not to, and let's let's consider uh, O.S. Hawkins's book a a doorstop or a speed bump in that passage of scripture, so you can take a look at it, learn from it, and let it wash over your soul. Uh, Dr. O.S. Hawkins, the Connection Code Relationship Advice from Philemon. It's up at thebottomlineshow.com. In addition, go to oshawkins.com for all information about the code books and also the Dignity Project as well. The pastors and their widows who are going to be benefiting from the proceeds of the sale of this book. Uh, just tremendous, three million copies and counting, and I can't wait for next year's code book. Do you have, have one in the works you can tease for us here, OS, as you're getting ready to leave? Well, I've just finished the next one. It will be out next fall, and it's the Spirit Code, Ooh. 40 Bible Truths About the Holy Spirit. So, great. you know, great. a lot of people, Roger, are like, like they were in Acts 19, too, and when Paul came to talk to them about it, so we've not so much as heard there is a Holy Spirit. Hmm. So uh, I've got 40 chapters on the Holy Spirit that I really believe is going to really be helpful to people. Well, that's fantastic. We can look forward to our annual late November, early December visit with O.S. Hawkins again <laughs> next year. Great. We always we, we got a spot on the calendar for you, brother. Thank you so much for this work. Thanks for your time. Uh, thank you, Roger. Yeah. God bless Merry you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year from all of us here at the bottom. Thank line. you. Well, always a great conversation with Dr. O.S. Hawkins, but this one in particular of great importance for us here in the body of Christ. The book is called The Connection Code, and it offers us uh, some life lessons and relationship advice from the book of Philemon. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one, not two, but three copies of that book that we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I'll tell you, this O.S. Hawkins book is a dandy especially as it comes to relationship uh, advice from people who maybe were opposition in opposition to you, and now they've come to faith in Christ, and there's the issue of, well, look at all the horrible things they did before they became Christians. What about you know now? How am I supposed to interact with them in relationship? That's the same type of question that Becca McNeil experienced. Um, this is a woman who had been involved in ministry before, as she puts it, her ministry career went through a spectacular implosion and it left her without any kind of foundation because spiritually she'd put so much hope in the ministry she was in. Once she became a parent, and her second child was born right during the Donald Trump presidential campaign where a lot of white evangelical Christians were either throwing their wholehearted support behind Mr. Trump or saying, wow, I can't believe Christians are supporting him. Becca started writing and started questioning, and she's put together a book called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. We've got a link for this book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Becca joins me to have this dialogue coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Well, today on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a topic of conversation for anyone who's ever gone through a season where you say, I'm not sure I know what I believe anymore, or I'm not even sure I believe what I believe anymore. 
you have questions about God, you have questions about faith of the church, and then the church lets you down. What exactly do you do with that? Well, today here on the broadcast, Becca McNeil is joining me. She's a journalist, a wife, and a mother of two who has written a very, very interesting, uh, <clears throat> I believe, treatise for anybody who's ever had questions about their faith. It's called Bringing Up Kids When Your Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Becca McNeil, welcome to The Bottom Line Show. Thank you so much for having me. I don't want to ask you the, you know, hey, can you tell me in 60 seconds your whole life story? But give us, <laughs> okay. give us, well, give us a little bit of framework because, I mean, from the, the title, our listeners may surmise that you have gone through a season or you went through a season or you just said to heck with the whole thing with regard to growing up in the church and then saying, I'm not sure this is for me. So, kind of give us an overview of where you're coming from with this. Yeah. Um, so I definitely grew up in a very conservative and when I say conservative, I, I do mean politically, but mostly the, like theologically, mm -hmm. very certain, very sure of what they believed and were not particularly open to questions or disagreement or anything like that. So mm -hmm. I would say I grew up in a very certainty-based uh, religious home, small conservative church in Texas um, that all of the you know stereotypes of that actually right. kind of hold true in this case so that's mm -hmm. i grew up in in a very typical uh conservative christian home and then when i went away to school and started asking questions and started meeting people outside my little bubble i had questions and uh like i had asking questions led to more questions and when i came back from some time away, I was going to work for the same denomination that I grew up in, different church, but same denomination. And those questions were were not received well. Mm. And so I would say that in asking questions and pushing back on some things that I thought seemed more like they were decisions made for cultural reasons rather than Christian reasons, if you want to put it that way, sure. Um, when I would kind of say, well, do, you know, do we have to do it that way? Could there maybe be a, a way that's more inclusive of people who don't have a lot of money? Or is there something we could do so that women would feel a little less like they're just there to wait tables? Mm -hmm. uh, that would be met. I was just kind of treated as like a hostile presence. Yeah. yeah. So that led to um, a season of, I would say, more, more serious deconstructing and figuring mm -hmm. out are all those attitudes really just part of Christianity or is that something that was unique to that church? How, how wide is that in the system? Um, like how, how much of the American church is steeped in that kind of, we're going to cater to whoever gives the most money. Right. Um, right. that mentality. And yeah, it took me through on quite a journey, um, visiting churches, going to churches, finding, um, peaceful places to land for a little bit and asking more questions. Um, and then I had kids. And so mm, that changes everything, doesn't <laughs> it? It does. Bring kids it does. Into the yeah. Because it, it stopped being my <clears throat> own personal uh, inquiry and started being something where I was forming people. Mm -hmm. um, like they're not deconstructing, they're building it for the first time. And yeah. so I wanted to make sure I was giving them good stuff. Mm -hmm. And that led to another um, like asking questions in a different way. And along the way, I'm meeting all these people who are sharing a lot of these feelings and questions and uh, I'm a journalist. And so that 
eventually, you know, when you see a pattern like that as a journalist, you know, it's a story. And in this case, there were so many of them. It was not a story, but a Mm -hmm. book. Right. (laughs) Well, we're glad you wrote it, too. The book is called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, A Guide for Parents Questioning Their Faith by Becca McNeil. And we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And I want to commend you, Becca, and I don't mean this to sound patronizing, but for actually being a journalist and doing journalistic work, because we do live in a culture, I'm sure we would both agree, where it's too easy to try to have the culture war battle uh, on Twitter, you know, or in, in the social media world where it's all about memes and mic drops. And you really don't get to the heart of the issue. I've talked to, I worked in youth ministry for a number of years, and I know the number of kids who would come in and say, hey, I want to live with, you know, a guy would come up and say, hey, my girlfriend and I want to live together after we graduate from high school. My parents are freaking out. What's wrong with that? And you realize, well, no one at church ever had a conversation with them about God's plan for marriage or what the world says about this. Or, you know, people, how many people wind up going down certain paths simply because the church's answer was like what you got, which is, you know, don't ask that question. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, we we don't talk about this is the way we do things here for crying out loud. But worship a living and loving God whose word is alive and speaks to you. And you're like, well, wait, I I don't really get I don't really fully understand it. How would you describe your situation now, Becca? I mean, I mean, I want to don't want to jump to the punchline here, but I mean, you've, you've talked about how you went through the, the deconstruction. And I appreciate the fact that you talked about deconstruction, not from a, Hey, I threw all that stuff away. And now I'm telling everybody how I deconstructed, but rather saying, I want to disassemble so I could reassemble this. I mean, I want to see what's really right and true as opposed to just out of heck with that nonsense. Right. And I think that it's fair for a lot of people's if, if hurt, interpersonal hurt has been a big or betrayal or um, abuse has been a part of your your experience I think it's fair to go through at least a season mm-hmm. of I mean I even had a Christian therapist who said why don't you just not go to church for a minute mm-hmm. just take a breath mm-hmm. and um and her thing was she I remember when she said it she said I don't think you'll be able to stay away forever even if you want to because you're gonna want to be around um, people who, know how to encourage your spirit and know how to talk about God with you. But in a, when you're in a time where all of that's just really grating on you, because that's the language people used to hurt you, it's fair to mm-hmm. stay away. Yeah. So I definitely did that for a while. And I would say now I'm in a season of um, wanting to have relationships with people of God in different churches like i i don't want to put all of my relationship eggs in one church basket if you want to put it that way like so i do seek out like friendships where we can talk about spiritual things whether or not we agree on everything and that can Mm -hmm. be as broad as belonging to different religions or as narrow as going to two different you know uh two different churches in the same denomination or whatever. Mm -hmm. So my goal has been to know and love and have conversations with those people so that wherever I end up, I'm not encouraged to say like, okay, this is my tribe. We're the ones who are right. This is where I'm, I'm putting all of my investment because I know that these are human institutions and they're fragile. I've seen mm-hmm. churches go down because somebody was mishandling money. I've seen them go down because, um, I mean, COVID took out <laughs> the church yeah. we were going to because they didn't have their own space. Mm. So they couldn't control when they were getting to meet. Mm-hmm. There's just, they're, they're fragile things really. 
and pastors come and go and bring with them all sorts of interesting dynamics. And so my goal right now is to see the church really work on seeing the church as like the big C church and getting to know people who love God in all sorts of ways so that it's just a more resilient sense of community instead Mm -hmm. of needing to justify being with this group of people, even when stuff is, is going really poorly. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, I appreciate the, the such a healthy response and very thoughtful too. Uh, Becca McNeil is my guest today here on the bottom line. Love this book. It's called bringing up kids when church lets you down a guide for parents questioning their faith. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com as we continue. We'll take a quick break here. But as we continue, I want to talk about how the parenting journey is going for Becca and her family and also uh, some tips that you could give to our listeners who may find themselves saying, wow, I'm glad she brought this up because I have a 30-year-old daughter. I have a 25-year-old son you know, who just basically grew up in the church. And they're asking me questions, and I'm not really sure how to answer them. So how do I have that dialogue, especially, say, over holiday gatherings or things like that? We'll, go, we'll, we'll pick Becca's brain for some tips on that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. Special update from our friends at Preborn, especially here in the final month of the year. Good news is that the double matching gift is in place every day through the end of the month. That's the good news. The bad news is if you wait too long, you won't be able to take advantage of it. Now, Preborn has been offering qualitative health care for women who are in pregnancy mode for many, many years. And one of the specialties of Preborn, of course, is providing free ultrasounds for any woman who asks for one. When a woman comes to a Preborn clinic, she gets a pregnancy test, she gets an ultrasound, she gets to see those first baby pictures of her preborn child, and then is given the information about the options available to her, either become a mother, release that child for adoption, or yes, in states like California, where it's still legal, abortion is on the table as well. But 85 times out of 100, a woman who goes to preborn and sees the ultrasound winds up keeping the child or releasing the child for adoption. Your tax-deductible donation to preborn right now is doubled through the end of the year. So call 833-850-BABY today, 833-850-2229. A $28 donation provides one appointment, 140 provides five, 280 provides 10, and all of those numbers are doubled now through the end of the year. 833-850-2229 or give a gift online at kbrightradio.com. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Becca McNeil is my guest. We're talking about her book called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, A Guide for Parents Questioning Their Faith. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we have not one but two copies of this book we're giving away today at 800-227-5278, is the number to get you through on the winning line there here at the Bottom Line Show. Also, we have not one, not two, but three copies of Dr. O.S. Hawkins' book, The Connection Code, Relationship Advice from the Book of Philemon, and this is a powerful resource to have, especially if you know somebody who had been in your world who wasn't a Christian and then they became a Christian, but you found out that after before they became a Christian, they ripped you off and you're trying to rebuild that relationship. This is the book for you. Three copies of this book we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. And I'm enjoying the juxtaposition of Becca McNeil's journey, O.S. Hawkins's journey, and you see people who where they land when there's been some kind of wrongdoing uh, against a person of faith and how they can kind of 
restore relationship or how it looks to them. Um, it's important in these days that we do take the, the words of Jesus to heart where we want to be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. And we think about how important it is for us to do that, especially in a culture where people are getting hurt by the church in some cases or by people who represent themselves as being part of the church. And why it's important for us to live that life that is what God is calling us to be, not the way that the uh, Catholic Church or the Evangelical Industrial Complex Church or the Southern Baptist Convention tells us how to do it, but the way God speaks to us through his word. And by the way, if you're calling in for O.S. Hawkins's book and Becca McNeil's book, don't forget we're also giving away copies of Dr. Michael Youssef's brand new book called How to Read the Bible as if your life depended on it. If you like the teaching on leading the way, you'll love this book. And we have 10 copies of it we're giving away. So lots of opportunities for you to win today here on Everyone Wednesday. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC audience, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. We've got uh, Rabbi Schneider and Discovering the Jewish Jesus coming up next. For those who remain on the network, especially if you have a son or a daughter who's an adult who maybe got burned by the church and they're wonder- you're wondering, will they ever really have a good and solid and right, healthy relationship with the Lord? Stay with us. Becca McNeil is going to continue our conversation about how to be a, a child of God and a parent of a child when you've been burned by the church. That discussion continues next as the bottom line continues. Becca McNeil is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. Intriguing title for her book, as we hear about so much deconstruction going on with Christian celebrities and things like that, that's kind of almost become a code word for, I just left my faith. But in Becca's case, her book is called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. She had some very serious questions, but you've been, you're still on the spiritual journey. It's not like you just threw Christianity out the door and said, I didn't like the silver ring thing or the purity pledge or you know whatever was the big media thing to get people to act Christian. You have really just been on a journey and, and you're finding some really different answers. How did your, how did your parents respond? When, <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> is yeah. that a whole separate conversation? <laughs> well, they, they responded. Let's, let's, there's kind of two groups of parents, like the spiritual parents and then my actual parents. My actual yeah. <laughs> parents had a, had a multifaceted response because they're characters in the book in some ways. And there's mm-hmm. some stories about them in there that I know um, they had to, quickly become okay with mm-hmm. being told through my eyes instead of their version of it right and they were fine with fine with it all being in there but definitely i think it always feels unfair when you don't get to say you're like well here's why we did <laughs> right that. here's right here's right. why we burned all her smurfs in the backyard in a pole um, <laughs> oh boy <laughs> which is you know one of the one of the anecdotes but the other group of people who I would put in that same category are people who were not characters in the book. They're not mentioned or anything, but they are people who raised me spiritually. The mm. um, people who were, are still friends of our family who were elders in a church or Sunday school teachers who were uh, teachers at my Christian schools that those folks, um, the response has been, I think, largely dependent on what their journey has looked like. There are some who feel like, well, she's, she's an apostate now. Um, Mm. even though my, Mm -hmm. my, uh, my agent is a grandfather. He's, you know, of I think in his sixties and he 
read it and said, well, you're not an apostate. And I was like, okay, that's great. And he, <laughs> I, that's a great seal of approval. Yeah. But he also said like that he had agreed to represent me because these were conversations he was having with his kids. Interesting. And Interesting. so I think that the there have been some people my parents age who knew me growing up who have seen the slings and arrows of what the last 10 years has done uh, 20 years even with just Lots and lots of megachurch scandals, lots mm -hmm. of political messiness. Um, I think there are people who, and people have been getting hurt for forever, you know, in, interpersonally. Right. And so I think that if, if you've lived for 50 and 60 and 70 years, there's a good chance you've seen enough to know that some people's stories are not just, oh, I went to college and now I believe in science and not God. Some people's right, stories right. are born out of hurt and mistreatment and hopefully enough to see that people come and go, like that there can be a journey that's not just away from church. I think mm -hmm. we were kind of told in the 80s and 90s that questioning that the road only went away and it never came back and it never remerged in any way. Mm -hmm. And I think that increased a lot of the alarmism when people had questions. And so the response that I've gotten from, I mean, my parents and I also had to have conversations about, you know, stuff that they had done as parents um, thinking that they were doing the, the right James Dobson led, thing mm -hmm. you know and right. doing it by the book and my feedback on that um but they have been remarkably open about that and i think that they're you know the spiritual parents their response has largely been guided by the other stuff that they've seen like they mm -hmm. know that this is coming from a genuine place yeah yeah, and, and that, that authenticity really rings true in the book, Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down. Becca McNeil is the author of that book, and she's my guest today here on The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Uh, we've got it. I mentioned it at the website, and I encourage you to take a look at it, especially as you are moving into you know holidays and beyond as we get into a new year. We'll be getting we we've we'll get a couple of weeks to catch our breath after one political season, then another one starts up, and they're all different opportunities for people to see faith playing out in the public square. Becca, what's encouraging you? about the kinds of conversations not only you're having, but other people are having too. Where, yeah, I was talking to George Barner the other day about um, some of the research he's doing at Arizona Christian University. He said, you know, when you get right down to it, it's so weird to see the political parties at war with each other because 80% of Americans, whether they're Christian or not, whether they're Republican or Democrat, all basically want the same thing. They want their, their families important to them. Their marriage, if they're married, is important to them. Relationship with kids, is a, their community. All these things that we kind of look at as Americana are still important to people. So we, I think, in the body of Christ have the, the extra added blessing of being able to say, yeah, and we have a peace that the world doesn't have because, you know, our salvation is secure and, and we've got the spirit of God living in our hearts. 
But when the spirit of God shows up at some American churches, sometimes it's like, what the heck is this? You know, and right. It's, and I was it's, just, <laughs> yes, exactly. so, so, so what's, what, what encourages you? What, what have you seen during this whole process for you that continues to give you hope, especially as a mom? Yeah. Um, I would say that I am encouraged whenever people come up to me at a book signing or um, reach out through social media or whatever to just tell me their story of um, healing, how they went, there was hurt, there was a broken relationship, and then what happened to heal it and bring it back. And there are enough stories of healing to keep me encouraged. I think that I hear, you know, for every 20 something year old whose parents completely broke off the relationship when they came out or whatever, there's another um, person whose parents became more flexible enough. They might not have changed their theological position, but became flexible enough in their relationship to keep their their child in their family and mm-hmm. to to continue to love them and accept them as a person and the the healing that's possible when we stay in relationship and when we know that we can converse together and talk together and struggle together uh, is really wonderful and so i'm encouraged and i'm also encouraged by hearing how people found new communities and Mm. did find a place where when, when the, when they looked around their own church or their own family and saw that something other than God was kind of driving the train, Mm -hmm. um, when Mm -hmm. they were able to go find a place where it was authentic and where they were seeing the spirit move. And that's Mm -hmm. been really encouraging. Uh, That that is great to hear because I get the sense just that we're just meeting each other, but I get the sense that where you're coming from is a, is a pretty healthy place as opposed to sometimes there are people in the church who get go through the same things you talked about and then they just kind of dive off into the deep end of you know pick your vice or whatever it is and then try to christianize it and i think there's a very thin line but it's an important one between the i'm just giving up all this stuff but i'll still kind of hold on to that i still got my membership card to Uh i'm i'm moving in this direction what what do you are you are you liking the results? I mean, obviously it's not cause and effect when you're parents and you're raising up kids in the faith. Um, you, you don't get to say, well, if you follow these 10 steps, they're going to turn out perfect because that's kind of what you're pushing back against exactly. know, in terms of all that. This is not but, a how-to. Right. So, but what, what kind of grid, what kind of metric are you using and are you liking what you're seeing? Um, with my own children, I mean, they're six and eight. So ask me, you're asking me at a point where they're still at school today. So I'm yeah. loving what. <laughs> they're perfect and wonderful and yes, everything yes. they've ever it, done is great they're going to be home in about 20 minutes and sure. you know we'll see <laughs> no i i'm so proud of them i'm so amazed at who god is making them and who they're becoming and watching them their own spiritual development mm-hmm. i i am amazed by it every day and what i will say as far as behavior and whatnot like it's it, it truly is a crapshoot. Every day is an right. adventure. As far as the freedom that they have to ask questions and the curiosity that I'm seeing in them, whether that's their disposition, like we didn't make them curious, but we have encouraged it. Mm-hmm. We're seeing things in them that we're encouraging. And that has been 
I'm, I'm thrilled to death about to watch them be curious and to be compassionate mm-hmm. and to be able to um, be in touch with, like to know their own spirit and to be able to put it into words, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. they're feeling convicted about or what they're feeling compelled to do and say. And so that's, I would say from that perspective, it's going great. If you let your kids talk, they'll talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And don't be afraid when, I mean, we have, uh, my wife and I have three grandchildren under the age of five, and they're still at the point where they will go up and just bang up against a wall or a table <laughs> just because they like the sound, they like the sensation in their hand, but they also <laughs> want to know it's not going to fall apart. You know, and I think sometimes we think our faith can't be like that with God, where we can't just come up and pound on his chest and say, why? You know, and mm-hmm. like he's going to say, well, you should know why. And then that's the end of your faith. You know, instead of saying, I have questions, my goodness, read the Psalms and ask if the psalmist were asking questions, you know, and, and yeah. frustration with their own people. So I, I, I appreciate what you've done with this, Becca. And I, I'm grateful that our audience will be able to use this resource as well. The book is called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents, and I'll say a guide for grandparents too, questioning their faith and asking, what was it that happened here when we were raising these kids and grandkids that might've led them in a different direction? Did, why didn't I ask these questions when I were younger too? This is a great resource for that. Uh, the book is up at thebottomlineshow.com. Becca McNeil, thank you for the work that you've done on this. And thanks for being with us today here on the program. Thank you for having me. It's been a fun, fun chat. Well, that concludes my conversation with author and uh, speaker Becca McNeil. She's a journalist by trade. Her book is called Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down, a guide for parents questioning their faith. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I appreciate the fact that Becca is so articulate about uh, her struggle and her questions that she has. Uh, We've got the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We have not one but two copies of this book to give away. Maybe for you, or maybe if you've got an adult child in your world right now who grew up in the certainty of the how-to Christianity, and then all of a sudden kind of started questioning that faith. This is a good uh, conversation starter for that purpose. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, we have not one, but two copies of Becca McNeil's book, Bringing Up Kids When Church Lets You Down. And uh, I think that you'll, uh, you'll appreciate this if you've ever had an adult child in your life, especially who said, man, I grew up, what was it, the uh, Brian Duncan recorded a song years ago, late 1980s, early 90s, I believe, called We All Need. It was talking about how we all need the redeeming love of Jesus. But he grew up in the Pentecostal church and he said, I was, I was raised with the lessons and the victory speech and I strove for standards I could not reach. You know, and, and, and he began to realize that uh, the same kind of, uh, uh, Becca describes it as a certainty-based perfectionistic faith that basically does not always have an answer for what happens when life twists and turns on you. And, um, you know, what happens when one of your kids comes home and says, I think I'm gay, or another one says, I think I'm an atheist, or I'm a Christian, but I'm in love with a Muslim, or, you know, those types of questions that have plagued the church, especially the modern church, for a long time. And that's why I I think this book is important. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. On the other side of this break, we're going to talk about the certainty of Scripture and talk about something that we discussed actually last week in the Advent reading, but uh, why it's important for us to understand what that really looks like. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. You can protect against market volatility without investing all your money into bonds. 
Wilson Financial has simply better alternatives. The last 12 months, there has been almost $1.7 trillion invested in investment-grade bonds. This move to safety locks up money for a long time of guaranteed low returns. Why? Market volatility. Well, my comment is why go with low earnings for a long time when you can get great earnings with a solid real estate-backed investment paying you 6% over the next three years. After three years, you can invest in another option, or you can do what most of our investors do and reinvest in another one of our new exclusive 6% accounts. This strategy gives you the best of both options without settling for many years of low returns. Our 3D Money 6% account pays you great interest while you're not subjecting yourself to market volatility. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or visit kbrightradio.com slash Wilson Financial and ask about Dennis Wilson's exclusive real estate-backed 6% investment account. Wilson Financial Services, for simply better alternatives. My thanks again to Becca McNeil for joining me for a conversation today here on The Bottom Line about what it was like to grow up in a rather conservative Christian home, grew up in Texas, uh, wound up going to school in California, um, had a lot of questions in both places. You know, what does it mean to have been baptized as a child? And does that baptism still, quote unquote, stick once you become an adult? She wanted to get baptized again in college. And then once the church, uh, and, and she goes into it in detail in the book, uh, she got to a point where the uh, uh, the, the church kind of, I don't want to say let her down per se, but her, as she put it, her ministry imploded. And um, the, the question was, what do we do for uh, the, the, the Christian who says, I grew up thinking as long as I do all of this, as long as I do what I do, um, I'm going to be okay, right? And then when you find out that there are some people who, you know, come in and say, well, wait a minute, what about the church's history with regard to racism and slavery in the United States? What about the church's, uh, you know, I- issue regarding um, war and same-sex marriage and, and a lot of questions that go unanswered? And I think that the thing that I appreciate about what Becca is trying to raise here is saying, hey, look, I'm asking questions. I'm still not getting the answers I'm looking for. But the idea is I, I, I'm still looking. I'm still in the hunt. And it's very interesting because here we are during the, uh, the uh, Advent season. And the past couple of weeks here on the Bottom Line Show, I've taken to Mondays uh, during the uh, final half-hour segment to walk through the different Advent candles for the year. I mean, the first Advent candle was hope, second one peace, third one joy, fourth one love. And in that first week, we talked about hope and how in the Greek, the word for hope is kind of a generic term depending on how it's used. Hope in Greek is the expectation of what is certain. Now, as a Christian, immediately your mind says, oh, well, I know my certain, my faith is certain, my salvation is certain, I am certain that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that the Bible is the inerrant word of God. I'm certain of all those things. But when you look at the way the Greeks used to use it, they used to use it as certain of good things or certain of doom. You know, the, the goddess El Peace. Uh, used to be the goddess who sometimes would give you a blessing and sometimes give you a curse. The only certainty was it was going to happen. And I wonder how many people grew up in the American church thinking, okay, well, this is the way it is. I, I, I joined this church. I got baptized as a kid. I walked forward and declared my faith. And as long as I go to the right school and date the right people and you know check off all the boxes, I'm fine. And, you know, I'm very grateful for the fact that I grew up in what we would call a pan-denominational experience. 
my dad was a church choir director by trade. I mean, he was a uh, high school teacher and then he was an, an, uh, an administrator and loved doing church choir, choral music, and also um, uh, the, uh, the local light opera theater. And it was interesting because he told me when he was in college, he was not really a Christian per se, but his, uh, his choir director, he was a vocal major, uh, the guy who was his giving of voice lessons invited him to come sing. They had a paid soloist position in their choir. And he said, I'll tell you what, rather than paying you, I'll give you your voice lessons for free if you'll be my baritone soloist. So my dad started going to this Baptist church and, and he got to hear the gospel and he wound up getting baptized his senior year in college. It was interesting, you know, to think about that in terms of then when he, he said, when you graduate from college, get a church choir. I mean, if you want to be a good choral music conductor, church choirs are great because they sing every Sunday. There are adults who are very committed to it. They may not be the best singers, but it'll help you. And so my dad really more pragmatically said, that's what I want to do. And so he directed the uh, choir uh, uh, East Whittier First Presbyterian Church and then Oneana Congregational Church in Pasadena and then the First United Methodist Church in Santa Ana and then Lake Hills Community Church, which is part of Dutch Reformed Church in Laguna Hills and then First Baptist Church of Santa Ana and then the Baptist Church in Summerlin um, in, in just outside of Las Vegas. And then he wound up singing with the uh, choir at uh, Point Loma Presbyterian Church in San Diego before he stopped singing. He retired and singing in his 80s. And I remember thinking, you know, people would go, oh, I'm a Lutheran, or I'm a Methodist, or I'm non-denominational. And I remember thinking, you know, I kind of like the fact that we got a chance to see different expressions of the Christian faith. It made it a lot easier for me as I was growing up to not get stuck in places like what Becca McNeil described. Her family was very staunchly in the conservative Presbyterian movement. So when she's tried to venture outside of that, and well, what about my friends who are gay, or what about people who have sex outside of marriage, or whatever it is, they were brought up thinking there's a certain set of rules to follow. And if you don't follow the rules, then you're not a good Christian. And we have a word for that in, uh, in our English experience, and that's Torah obedience. The Old Testament Christian, Christ follower, God follower, people of God, the Jews, they followed the Pentateuch. They followed the, uh, the, the Ten Commandments. They did all the laws. They followed all, you know, they, they jumped through all the right hoops. Torah obedience means if you obey God, he blesses you. If you disobey God, he curses you. But then Jesus shows up and says, look, I'm the new, I'm the new Passover lamb. Behold the covenant, the new covenant in my blood that is shed for you and for all people, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Now we're not bound by a Jewish people origin coming out of Israel, but we're bound by a cup of the blood of Jesus Christ covenant. So when you get to different denominations, the way that the denominational Christianity has kind of manifest itself in the U.S. and all the world, I could see the frustration that a lot of people have. In my work in youth ministry for many years, saw a lot of people, why can't I smoke pot? Why can't I be gay? Why can't this, that, and the other thing? And if the church's response was leave, go get yourself cleaned up and then come back, then we had a problem. Instead of saying, well, let's have a conversation about it. I could still remember the time two kids in our high school youth group, I did not go up for the forest home winter camp that weekend. I taught the Sunday school class, but when I came back for church on Sunday, I had a message waiting for me from our youth pastor. He was an intern at the time. And he told me about these two kids. And he said, they were, there was a smoking area at forest home, but these two guys had brought joints and they had been smoking marijuana. And he said, I've asked them not to come back to the youth group. 
And each of the boys reached out to me and called me and said, hey, Pastor Phil says we can't go back to youth group, but why not? And one of them finally said, if we got busted for smoking pot at camp, don't you think we need to be in youth group? And I think that's wise. It's very, very wise. If you're a parent or a grandparent who had a bad experience at the church, I hope it's not souring your faith in Christ. But at the same time, if you don't understand why there are rules and guidelines and regulations and commandments that God gives us, we should have a conversation about that. On the other side of this break, I want to I want to give you a word of encouragement and direct you to a, a resource that I think can help you. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. Preborn is the ministry we've been talking about all year long that provides free ultrasounds for women who are expecting. But one of the best things about the preborn ultrasound experience for a woman is oftentimes there are women who come to preborn, they see the ultrasound, and all of a sudden they begin to realize, wow, this is a baby, not a cluster of cells. And what are my options? They find out that option number one, of course, is congratulations, you're a mother. Here in the People's Republic of California, they can also legally abort the child. But the third option is the one that you don't hear about at the abortion clinics, and that's releasing the child for adoption. Your $28 donation to Preborn right now will provide one ultrasound visit. A $15,000 donation will provide one ultrasound machine. And thanks to a special year-end gift here, a matching gift by a friend of the Ministry of Preborn, your gift today is doubled. Go online to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the Preborn banner, and then make your best tax-deductible donation to Preborn. $28 saves one baby's life, $140 saves five, $280 saves 10, and $15,000 provides an ultrasound machine that can do 250 ultrasounds per year for at least 10 years. And every gift you make today will be doubled thanks to a special matching gift at Preborn. Learn more when you go to kbrightradio.com and click the Preborn banner today. Welcome back to this Everyone Wednesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. So many great calls today. And as we were talking about Becca McNeil's book uh, called Bringing Up Kids When the Church Lets You Down, uh, it got me thinking about this brand new book from Dr. Michael Youssef of Leading the Way that we're giving away today here on Everyone Wednesday. Fewer and fewer Christians are reading the Bible every day. Fewer and fewer people understand what this marvelous revelation is from God to us as people. I have a feeling that a lot of the people Becca McNeil encountered when she was younger didn't really read the Bible. They read the parts of what their denomination did, and they followed those, but they weren't really following what God's Word had to say about sin and salvation and uh, proper relationships and inappropriate behavior. Um, It's amazing how I appreciate her being on a journey and asking questions, and I hope, quite frankly, she gets someone who gives her answers, not necessarily because this is the black and white yes or no answer, but rather let's see what the Word of God has to say, because a lot of the questions that people on the progressive side of the aisle are asking actually do have biblical answers. They just don't necessarily want to hear them or they haven't been articulated to them in a way that they can fully understand and appreciate. That's why I love Dr. Michael Youssef's new book called How to Read the Bible as if Your Life Depends on It because it'll help you do just that. We have not one, not two, not three, four, five, six, seven, eight, or nine copies, but we have 10 copies of this book we're giving away today and I'd love to give one to you. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. The Word of God is powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. It separates between fact and fiction, between truth and error, between soul and spirit. And it helps us in the body of Christ understand who we are as the children of the King. I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. Yea, I even want to exhort you. 
to spend more time in God's word. Make it a New Year's resolution that you can start even right now. Use Dr. Michael Youssef's book as a, uh, as a free guide, if you will, an example of how to do it properly. I can't imagine what it must be life to, like to live life without that kind of guide. When I think of people who say, wait a minute, I thought Christianity was, and then they list off a whole bunch of do's and don'ts that they learned from their Southern Baptist church or their Lutheran church or whatever. But the name of the game is when I see people kind of step away from it and kind of shake their heads, bewildered, like what just happened? What has been going on here? That, that's not the way I understand it. The one thing that I am convinced keeps us from seeing the true God and the true essence of worship, quite frankly, it's not God. And it may not even be the enemy. It's us. It's we who do not have the spirit of God actually living in our hearts. And so we're not willing to see what God really has in store for us. We're not willing to see um, why God has these rules in place for us. We're not willing to see it. And if we're not willing to see it, then there's no way we can fully experience it truthfully. The responsibility isn't all on the church. Ultimately, the decision to say yes or no to God is one that we have to make individually and to follow him the way he wants us to follow him. That is good news, and that's the bottom line.